Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Give it to me! Oh, hello, everyone. I'm Molly Wood. And I'm Tom Merritt. Welcome to It's a Thing, the weekly podcast supported by you, where it rains things. There are occasional things, snowstorms, once in a while a Cat 5 thing hurricane. But no matter what, we put on our slickers, we stroll out into the weather, and we report on it for you. Yeah, Thanks for joining got us. two feet of things this weekend, but uh, just <laughs> it went out and had fun in it. If you're still digging out from under the things, well, send them our way. Roll them up into a thing ball. <laughs> fling them in our direction. That's right. Nothing's better than a good old-fashioned thing ball fight. <laughs> what no one has ever said before. No one has ever said before. I'm just trying to have sympathy for the people who live in the places where it snows. We do not. Neither Tom nor I. No. Uh, anymore. We don't. We used to, so we yeah. get it. No, I... Uh, we just celebrated the uh, anniversary of the January 31st, 1982, 25 inches uh, snow in of Greenville, Illinois, that I, I lived through. Wow. That's a good one. It was yeah, a- I was talking to uh, one of my colleagues in Minnesota today who was like, I went for a walk and it was seven and it was, you know, below zero wind chill. And I was like, yeah, how did I live there for so long in the in the northern, the northwestern plains? Well... If uh, a if Offy James is any guide, you make snow angels. Snow angels. That's what he said. He's like, I just go make snow angels and send oh, video bless. to my friends and be like, you can't I do this, it. can you? In your sunshine. It's true. You adjust. Anyway, we're thinking of you. And uh, thanks for the thanks for the great metaphor. Weather. <laughs> <laughs> I right, would like to get into my first thing, which is Regency romance. Mm. The Regency Mm -hmm. period. We usually think of Jane Austen uh, when we think of Regency romance. Uh, Great article on BBC about what Jane Austen can teach us about resilience kind of makes the argument that the rise in features around this period is because of that resilience in Jane Austen's novel, that sort of persevering against the norms of the day, uh, etc. And of course, the biggest example of this is the stupendous ratings that Bridgerton got on Netflix, like one of their, yeah. their best viewed series of all time. Yeah. Huh. Um, I like that you call it Regency Romance. Way to fancy it up. Because I would have gone with, oh my God, all anyone can talk about is that freaking Bridgerton show. Holy cow. I guess I might have to watch it, even though this is not technically my jam. <laughs> well, <laughs> first of all, Bridgerton <laughs> is romance. In the Regency style, uh-huh. but it certainly is very modern in its sensibilities. Uh, oh. But I think there's there's more than just Bridgerton going on. You've also got Dickinson yep. uh, on, on Apple TV, which has got a bit of a following. There, there's a few other examples floating around out there. Obviously, Bridgerton, the biggest one, though. Right. Totally. Okay. All right. Fine. You've convinced me. I'll try it. I actually did try The Crown. Maybe there's just a whole, like, British period drama thing i tried the crown and i was sort of hoping that i wasn't gonna like it 
but and I you did. liked it, yeah, yeah. Because the problem, the crown is historical fiction that we can relate to because the queen's still alive. <laughs> you know, I think right. that, that's what we, we in our household we look at it and we're like, and she's still here. She went through all that. <laughs> she's I know still it's kind around. of fascinating, and I like yeah. to sort of look it up at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I like this so, yeah. resilience message. I'm feeling it. Yeah, that, I, I've always been a fan of the Jane Austen. Uh, she always her her novels were some of my favorites growing up. When they you know when they assigned you book reports and they were like, no, you can't do Jonathan Livingston Seagull this time because it's short. Pick something else. <laughs> I would pick a Jane Austen. Uh, you always go Jane Austen. It's that I, I have to confess is a bit of a hole in my in my literary upbringing. I'm not sure why. So maybe it's time. Read, read this thing. article. I'm actually curious what you think about this BBC article because it talks about all of the trouble that she went through in her life before she even got to a point where she could write and yeah. then writing about from those experiences of being broke, of being a woman in the 18th century. And it's great. It's really right. Good. And being rejected, it seems mm-hmm. like over and over with her yep. writing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I can see that I'm going to be on a. Because I think when we think path. Regency romance, we think the brand of romance novels, Regency, uh, and that's they were just that's playing on I the real might thing be going. By, yeah. by borrowing that name. Yeah. <laughs> okay, love it, love it, and also you know things to watch always a good idea. Yeah. Um, also, apparently, things to cook, mm. and specifically things to cook in cast iron pans. I don't know why cast iron pans are back as yeah. a thing. Because it's not as though they have not existed for a really, really, really oh, right. long time. They're an eternal thing in a they sense, are. but they're surging again, right? Is that what but you're saying? But they're surging. Yeah. And I'm not... So I have a couple of theories. One is that I think cooking shows and uh, videos, like YouTube and Instagram videos, are making them a thing because yeah. everyone is using this thing I actually got my son for Christmas, which is a, um, the induction burner. Uh-huh. Like the little standalone induction burner. Right. And Doesn't not work every with an pan, pan works. Exactly. Nope. And so nope. everybody, the cast iron pan works for all of that. There's this guy binging with Babish who always uses cast iron pans for things. I think that's him. I, for some reason, they have become like a favorite of the the cook talk, the, cre- the creators who have gotten super into cooking. And there are a lot of them. Like the sub thing of this is that a lot of creators are super into cooking right now. And I'm just assuming this is all pandemic, right? Because what else are we going to do except recommend shows and recipes to each other. But it there was like a big, long article not that long ago that was like, yes, it's okay to wash your cast iron pan with soap and water. And then everybody was mad about that on Twitter. And Uh then there's this whole like conversation about why they're huge right now. And then now they're selling them with cool silicon handles. I'm not saying I bought one, but I'm just saying I only had a small one. So I bought. So you already did. You're not buying it right now. I already did. The good news is this is a, this is a pre-shopped thing. (laughs) I already already (laughs) shopped for this, (laughs) but they're all over the place. And I guess it is sort of a constant cycle of thingness, as Subasa puts it, uh, and it'll never go away. But yeah, it's it's bonkers, and it's great. Except that man, are they heavy? They are. They're real heavy. Uh, they're really good, though, and they're classic. And no one ever turns against them. It's just no. that people get distracted by the new hotness, and so I can totally see that you have a confluence of TikTok, YouTube, cooking people who look to the 
really experienced chefs and go, oh, they use cast iron pan. That makes sense. Gives you these advantages. I'll start using that. That yep. meets everyone stuck inside of maybe a little fearful of restaurant food, uh, you know, undeservedly, I think, but you know, whatever, yeah. or you don't yeah. want to pay for delivery. So you're cooking more. And, mm-hmm. and so you're looking at those TikToks and YouTubes like, all right, I got to cook more often. What do you got? Uh, yeah. And then you see all of them because I've totally experienced that. You see all of them using Le Crusette, cast iron pan, like all, all of these things. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good thing. I should grab that. I know. And they're not very expensive. So, you know, you could see why cast iron pans of all of the things that those cooks are using would be the sort of the easy one. Because I think I just bought a two, you know, I bought a 10 and a 12 inch for under $30, maybe. Am I making this up? That I don't know, could be. but it was a that good could price. Be. Yeah. I just, you know what is prevented? I don't own a cast iron skillet. I don't own a cast iron pan. And really? what stops me from buying it is knowing that there are three in our family. And why would I ever purchase a brand new cast iron pan that I'll have to season myself when I've got one that was seasoned by one grandma, one by another? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, and I, you're and, hilarious. And I'm like, well, and it's totally irrational, right? Because I don't have them. So I could either like try to get my mom to send me one, you know, or yeah. I could just buy a new one and have had it. But I always hit that mental block of like, no, 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 you don't buy a new cast iron pan. My goodness. Not when I you have a family is, as old as ours. I think that this is part of the cast iron heresy that must be sweeping the internet Absolutely. too with the people yeah. saying, no, you can totally wash it with of soap and water. Yeah. And then you just put some oil on it when you're done. The two that I bought uh, to be sorry, I was inaccurate. I bought two preseason cast iron skillets, a 10 and a 12 inch with the heat resistant silicon holders for $50. They are pre-seasoned. Oh. And all it says is like, these are pre-seasoned. They should be naturally nonstick, but it would be great if the first thing you cook in them is high in fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which seems safe. Will not be a problem. But yeah, it's not even like, I think what, what the millennials may have figured out and even the Gen Z is like, those always sounded like a lot of work, but it turns out they're kind of really not. I mean, no. yes, you got to put some oil in and once in a while you should put some oil in and then turn it up real high. But like, it's great. I just have mine on the stove all the time because after I oil it, I never put it away. Yeah. I should really just buy one. Just and you know one. what's going to happen. I'm going to buy one in the next week. My sister's going to be like, hey, I found Grandma Roxy's cast iron pan. I'm going to send it to you. But then you'll have two. That's right. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, it really is a, a thing of like, uh, of, of like old fashioned skin flintiness, like buying a new pan when you don't need to. One's coming my way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a whole story in the Washington Post from December 11th. The debate between cast iron haters and loyalists is as enduring as the pan itself. Yeah. For some reason, they're a thing. Yeah. Now, uh, I do want to acknowledge that uh, SCW Lung says, my wife had a fleeting romance with cast iron pans, but has moved on to carbon steel and enameled braziers. That sounds fancy. Something to keep an eye on. Can I get yeah. two for 50 bucks, though? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did my oh, grandma Wait, Roxy I think I one? may have found why it's been reignited. Oh, really? Rosie Gray, this is from the Washington Post. Rosie Gray, a reporter for BuzzFeed News this week, tweeted what one might have thought was an innocent musing. I've never seen anyone make a convincing argument for why I should have a cast iron pan. She wrote, the missive drew nearly 2,000 responses, mostly in defense of the sacred cookware. She called her ensuing mentions, quote, 
out of control and <laughs> says the Washington Post. This is from a female reporter who has covered the Trump administration. <laughs> wow. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Nope. They're into it. I do have a couple of Le Creuset, like a tall Dutch oven and a shallow one. Which yeah. Pretty much. Those are thing. good. Those just are good. Life. Handle. Now, yeah. those are ones where I'd wait for the inheritance for sure. But That's we didn't. It. We but I think we got our Dutch oven for our wedding. And then the other shallow pan we just bought this year. I have a, um, I, I actually don't think I have any Le Creuset. Wait, I might have one, but I have a, um, I bought the Mario Batali mm. Dutch oven way, way, way back in the day, way before he was problematic. Is it really Dutch then? <laughs> hey, oh, hey. It, seriously, it's the most useful pan. Like you got to have a ceramic Dutch oven. I don't care what brand it is. It Didn't is amazing because you can make everything from stew to chili to like boil smartachokes to bake freaking bread in it. It's yeah. incredible. It, it's it's the Instapot before Instapot. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It's the Instapot you need an external burner for. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have an app. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, more cooking. Sheet more pan cooking. meals. Sheet oh, God. pan meals are everywhere to the point that there's a feature on them in the latest AARP magazine. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> New You're York so Times. Right, uh, just did an article on sheet pan dinners, January 22nd, called Sweet and Savory Meat in this Sheet Pan Dinner. Uh, it's just a sheet pan food feature, but uh, also the Shawnee News Star, The Everyday Home. It's a sheet pan revival. Ladies Home Journal recently did a sheet, sheet pan. Sheet pan. Sheet pan sheet just pan. means pan. you put your protein in the middle, you surround it with a bunch of stuff, you stick it in the oven, and you just... Bake it all at once, and it comes out great. In uh, the Discord, Sure Right is referring to it as a tray bake, which I have sure. also heard. Yep. I made a sheet pan salmon, and and that, you know what? I bet the reason that this is – I actually got a tray bake or sheet pan cookbook for Christmas myself because uh-huh. it's a thing. Yep. And honestly, I think it's because we're not doing any more damn dishes. That's the it. flip side That's of all this it. freaking same, pandemic cooking is I thing. do not want. Oh, yeah. So the so the cast iron pan, you have a reason not to wash it, right? Yep. And then you're like, okay, but I still have to put more prep, and I'm still having to make more food at home. Sheet pan, sheet pan this stuff. Sheet pan. Don't give me your recipe that involves three different pans because all I do is dishes <laughs> or laundry. Ooh, or vacuuming. I read some kind of, I read some tweet the other day that was like, hey, you know what's worse than chores? The chores that come after the chores. Like you do some and then there's just more the next day. Yeah. The, no, the vacuuming day. particularly I've noticed doesn't stick. I vacuum and then pretty soon I have to vacuum again. And what's that about? I just vacuumed like last yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, I have actually like finally figured out the, how to make the Roomba the workhorse. Oh, Nice. Yeah, the Roomba, like I bought one at the beginning of the pandemic. I didn't use it as much as I would have hoped. Now in the new house, there's a time of day when one wall of windows is uh, has the sun facing it directly, right? Right at like uh, sunset time. Mm-hmm. And that's when all the hair is visible uh, all over the uh-huh, hardwood uh-huh. floors. All the dog hair. And I'm like, yep. mm, nope. And so I'm just running the Roomba once a week. And it's not as good. It doesn't do as good a job, but just as a baseline level of regular back vacuuming. And I think I'm going to start doing it two or three times a week because I, I cannot. 
I have occasionally, noticed, and I'm, I'm not, over this. I'm not proud to admit it, but I have occasionally used the dog hair to sweep up things. <laughs> Thus, getting the dog hair off of the ground <laughs> and cleaning a little portion of the hallway. Yeah. It's not yeah. not proud. It's not the right way to go about it. I've been there. I've but, been you there. Know, desperate times. There's like a, a certain size dust bunny. Yeah. That can like, well, become... might as well just clean the baseboard with that. It's like a Swiffer. <laughs> it picks up the other stuff. Yeah. It's a natural Swiffer. Just a handheld Swiffer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a wash as I go with cooking, though. Oh, I am too. Yeah. But it's I don't care. I still am just like, no, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to anymore. I mean, I would know. Yeah. She I just, me. just did my laundry today and then I'm going to have to do it again next week. Yep. I am also finding that the instant pot as a sort of sheet pan situation mm. is pretty great too. Yeah. Yeah. I made chicken shawarma the other night. Um, I just have to brag about this dinner that I made because it was freaking incredible. I made chicken shawarma yeah. in the instant pot with saffron rice in mm-hmm. the baby instant pot because I bought a baby one like a fool and then had to upgrade. And then I fried halloumi, the mm. Greek cheese that you get at like the Greek fest the, yeah, that's yeah. always fried. Amazing. Butter lettuce as a base mm-hmm. for the chicken and rice and then some tzatziki. Oh, my God. Possibly the best dinner I've ever made. Have I have I st- raved about the best cooking decision we ever bought, which is not a thing. But I just since we're talking about cooking that we're, we're really just excited talking about. Here. We're just hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, the tea chef. uh Portable butane grill for Korean barbecue. Oh, yeah, you did on the last oh, show. Right. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, we did it again this amazing. week. And I'm like, this is amazing because you just marinate your meat and then you cut it up with the scissors and you put it on and you eat it hot and then you just clean up that thing. I mean, that is awesome. Yeah. Yep. And at, <laughs> I cannot believe how much of my life is now spent thinking about cleaning if not actually cleaning, but somehow cleaning is always a part of it. it never However, ends. one thing in life has gotten easier. Tell me what, and what have we gotten rid of? Is putting on shoes because <laughs> <laughs> over the last few years, beginning, I believe with Nike in some ways, and it's a, it's invention of like that, or, you know, it's attempt to recreate the self-lacing shoes. Right, right. The death of shoelaces is well underway because I mean, there was, and then there were kind of all, there was like this brief period of sneaker evolution where I just posted the recipe in the discord, by the way, there was a brief period of sneaker evolution that I was super into where everything looked like a slightly Japanese slipper, but it mm-hmm, was cool mm-hmm. shoes, slip on shoes, more and more popular. You got the sketchers, you got the, this and that, all these different options. Chelsea boots, even. Chelsea boots, exactly. Shoelace free. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you realize in some ways what a, what a cruel hegemony, what an unnecessary torture shoelaces really are. Like, why have we been bothering Do with this for so long? Do you lace up your pants anymore, people? Yeah. Like, at best, you've got a drawstring. Actually, everybody has a drawstring. But you don't lace it up like the yeah. olden times. Why we, Why are we doing this with shoes? I'm not lacing up a corset. Like, get rid right? of it. Right? And so then Nike this week unveiled this week. Hold on. Let me look recently this month. Yes. Like literally two days ago, 
on the, the third, uh, re, un, put out these new laceless shoes that look a lot like every, all the other laceless shoes, uh, but that are super cool. But these are like hands free. Like you do not, you just put your foot in and then the shoes just grab onto your foot and then that's it. And what's, what I didn't realize until I read a bunch of articles about how apparently Nike has been somewhat refusing to acknowledge that these shoes are great for people who are di- differently abled or disabled is that shoe that shoelaces themselves are totally uh, unnecessary and ableist and exclusionary you might say. and inaccessible exactly mm-hmm. so they have these like cool Nike shoes that were designed to meet the needs of the disabled it was designed uh, inspired by Matthew Walzer a guy who was born with cerebral palsy and then they made these like cool shoes with no laces and then I was like, wait, I, my dad has like arthritis in his hands and like my mom has neuropathy and it's just hard to sort of like bend down and get there to the feet. And I was just like, why have shoes I've had laces all the time? Long, I mean, like good, go good fly, riddance, shoelaces. The GoFlyEase Nikes are made in a limited amount. I'll give Nike a lot more credit when these are mass produced and I can, you know, go down to my local shop. I mean, I'll <laughs> when oh, yeah. you can go down to a local shop. <laughs> uh, but... But let's give them a little bit of credit, yeah. You know, for making them at all. I know exactly, and 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 just like the whole like slip on sneaker thing. Probably Skechers and Chelsea boots are um to credit for the start of this trend. Maybe I don't really know, but I'm stoked that it's here, and I don't know why I spent all those years trying to get my poor child to learn to tie shoes. That's dumb. Crocs, yeah. <sighs> Crocs are a big part of it. Absolutely. Cursive shoelaces. We don't need any of it. Don't need any of it. Let's evolve. Innovation is here. I, I realized that I just insured an email defending cursive writing. I wonder if we have insured an email you defending did. shoelaces. I wonder too. We shall see. Hmm. Hmm. Indeed. Speaking of emails, we get lots of good ones. Uh, Paul wrote in on amateur experts. Uh, said yes. I'm, in, I'm in the unique position of having a molecular immunology degree. Worked in that field for a decade, then transitioned into computer programming, now working in a bank dealing with stock regulatory boards. Come on. I deal with these amateur experts on a regular basis, people who have, quote unquote, <laughs> done their research. Oh, poor Paul. Paul, <gasps> this has been like the worst several months for Paul. That's uh, horrible. Paul says the term I use for these people's responses is Google splaining, an offshoot of mansplaining. For example, stop Google splaining PCR tests. I learned the technique from the inventor, Dr. Mullis, in the 90s. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> I feel like I want to have Paul on every show that I do across all platforms. Right? And I mean, like, <laughs> Paul, you're the most useful man in the world. What are you, an immunologist? Yes. Yes. Oh, what are you uh, familiar with? Stock regulatory boards? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, so but you I think you're you a were... computer scientist? Yes, I am also that. Yes, I am also that. There you go. Um, I, I believe, I think that Manny actually is the reason that we invented the THD. Manny, mm-hmm. doctor of things, bringer of among us to the show, writes in and says, I am putting on my Oracle hat and predicting an upcoming thing. Pog Champs 3. See, this is where I want to be doubtful, and I can't. No, I know, right? I've learned my lesson. Pog Champs 3. Got it. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> yes, done. PogChamps, he says, is a chess tournament. Okay, and we know that chess has been a super duper thing for some reason. PogChamps is a chess tournament hosted by chess.com, but instead of high level boring games, it features Twitch streamers with no chess experience. I have, side note, indeed, watch some of these. In the months leading up to the tournament, these popular streamers receive coaching from various chess masters, mostly also Twitch streamers. Notable participants in this upcoming tournament are Ludwig, a variety streamer and YouTuber who has gained popularity for playing Among Us and for his participation in PogChamps 2, and also Mr. Beast of YouTube fame will be participating. Some other participants are big names like Myth, Logic, the rapper, and Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight from The Office. Some of the coaches include Hikaru Nakamura, one of the strongest chess players in the world, Levi Rossman, also known as Gotham Chess, and Anna Rudolph, a women's grandmaster. All of the coaches and participants are Twitch streamers. I have some articles linked below, and I know this is long. Feel free to cut some bits out, and as always, thing on. I mean, first of all, we wouldn't touch a thing because nope. you are a THD. Uh, THD. Second of all, yes. But chess.com itself, I think, is a thing right now. We've talked about yeah. chess being a thing. Uh, so this makes perfect sense to me. Manny, and, well done. Uh, and I have, I mean, I'm pretty far behind. Well, I, I don't know why I would say that. I'm obviously not because we do this show. <laughs> but my son and I have watched some of these like hilarious. I mean, these are hilarious. The ones where like the YouTubers come on and play chess. They're hysterical. They're great Twitch streams to watch. Need a drink? Why? Why? I'm having a lovely mocktail right this moment. Andrew we'll talk about has that brought us an alcohol thing. Uh, says, hey, Tom and Molly, longtime listener, first time writer, Andrew from Melbourne here. I have recently noticed a thing that is slowly becoming more and more of a thing. I'm not sure if it is a thing outside of Melbourne, but I thought I'd share nonetheless. Sour beer. Oh, it's yeah. Everywhere. Most Gross. people here just refer to it as a sour, as in, I'll get a few sours to take to the party. I've enjoyed sour beer since about 2012, when they were probably only one to two brands available, but lately it's been filling up an entire fridge in the bottle shop, a.k.a. liquor store. First mm-hmm. brand I noticed was in about 2016, a Sydney brewery, Wayward, introduced a sour called Sour Puss, which was cherry-flavored. The sequel to Sour Puss was Passion of the Puss, a passion <laughs> fruit-flavored one. The brewery Brent... Bent Spoke in Canberra produces a cherry-flavored ghost called How's It Gozen? I recently Amazing. took a trip to Canberra, and one night it was so popular, a bar sold out, and several bottle shops had empty shelves where it belonged. Since then, I've noticed that more and more, a local brewery in Melbourne called Moondog now has a delicious and cheap sour called Laguna Matata. <laughs> and many others are cropping up. I'm very grateful that sour beer is now a thing, and it's pretty much the only beer I'll drink, given the recently increased variety. Hope you guys are staying safe and well, and have a fantastic 2021. Thank you, Andrew. And welcome to the show. I'm sorry I said your beer was gross, but I do think it's kind of gross. But it is a huge thing. I, I didn't know that it was a thing for them to have such cool names. <laughs> but <laughs> I think but it was sour like, beer is like, yeah. Funny names mm-hmm. are amazing. Yeah. The names are incredible, and I, I, doesn't, I don't think it's – I well, I don't think it's my thing because I'm not – you know what? I'm not going to promise you that I'm going to try it because I'm not going right? to. Oh, it's a thing, yes. Yeah. I was trying to – I was going to be like, I'll try it and see if I'll like it, mm. but I'm not going to. Baguna mm-hmm. Matata. I did Um, – I feel like at this point I should give a little thing update, which is we have talked, of course, about how uh, sobriety – and sober curiousness is a thing. I'm doing dry February. And for dry February, I ordered myself some of those like mocktail kits. Oh, There's like a little nice. like a mocktail subscription service. That's and why you like, pointed out the mocktail earlier. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, it's delightful. Uh, Fordo, Fordo Alert, writes in on Detroit Pizza and says, of course you were right about this. I had never heard of Detroit Pizza before you all mentioned it a few months ago. Went for a walk around my new neighborhood in D.C. last night and stumbled across this place right around the corner. There were two people standing in front when I walked by discussing how they have only ever heard of New York, Chicago, and San Francisco pizza. And Fordo parentheticals, SF pizza is a thing. I was so happy to confidently announce to them and anyone else within earshot, you know, because I'm loud, that Detroit pizza is a thing. They had no idea. The more you know. Oh, that's great. Spreading the thing gospel. Spreading the love. It was in the Wall Street Journal. What was that last week? And we were texting about it. The, the It's a thing team saying we're kind of embarrassed for the yeah. journal, really. Welcome to the party, bit. Wall Street Journal. Oh, it's you're like, now reporting on Wellerman. I see. Good job. <laughs> Thing. Check for a thing. Check. <laughs> Sent in by Joe Hood. I have noticed something I would like a thing check on. It appears mm-hmm. that puffy vests have grown sleeves and hoods. I'm noticing a shocking number of puffy jacket hoodies out in the world as winter temps hit us here in North Carolina. Specifically, the puffy jackets have one-inch baffles instead of the giant baffles in old-school down jackets. I'm wondering if it is a regional thing or if winter is bringing out the small baffle puffy jackets everywhere. Fascinating. I know exactly what you're talking about, and... I believe you may be right. We here uh, in California are going to have a hard time with this, although people definitely wear oversized puffy jackets when it's 52 degrees. But, um, well, I'm th- we're throwing it out there. You tell us. Have you seen this? I, I have not. No. Yeah. Um, but it was 46 degrees this morning when I took my dog for a walk, and I did see people with warm clothing on. None of them were wearing this. Not really the right place for it, though. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Tell us tell us more if you live in a winter state. Email us at feedback at it's a thing dot me. We would like to know if you have seen puffy vests that have grown arms and hoods. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> uh, it is time for our shout outs, which everyone always enjoys because they're always amazing as made by our producer, Rich. But we are going to make someone maybe two people in our audience very happy because this week's shout outs are based on a 2013 five-star review of the 1987 <laughs> film Ishtar starring Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, and Isabel Ajani. How does he do it? <laughs> Something right. everyone can enjoy, but there, I guarantee there's one person out there like the 87 review of Ishtar. That's amazing. I totally read that. Yeah. All right. Let's All right. begin. I have to admit, I use Scott Ryan Hart as a sort of litmus test. A litmus test for what, however, I'm not sure exactly. Independence of thought, the self-confidence to admit that they enjoy something that has been institutionalized as the platonic ideal of Mary Yen, a goofy sense of humor, a lighthearted joie de Louis Saint-Amour, you tell me. All I know is that if someone admits to liking Joe Hood, I almost always find them to be pleasant company. Personally, I have loved Lee Price unconditionally and unabashedly ever since he came out, in spite of the social and media provided preconditioning that encouraged the world to hate him sight unseen. Mm. And I've always been baffled by the knee jerk hatred expressed by Mike Akins, especially when he hasn't seen him. There isn't much that can perk up my mood faster than Kevin Silken. Hmm. I'll give you this next one. 
Uh, sure, Brad Sparks hasn't held up as well as he could have since his release in 1987, thanks in large part due to his cheesy one-man synthesizer band score, but I still love Eric Duncan, and I'll be watching Jake Woods at least once a year until the day I die. Let's hope and lobby for that long odds possibility of a proper treatment from Gabrielle Cohen or equivalent. But in the meanwhile, these no frill patrons are very easy to get happy about. So good. <laughs> I want to go read the original. I know. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> you too can be immortalized in that same way you by can. becoming a patron at the shout out level. Oh, no. It won't be that same way because oh. Rich. Not an like exactly. A, like yeah. a proper Hollywood star never rocks the same outfit twice. Anything can happen in the shout outs. Right. Right. You just never know. Patreon.com slash it's a thing is where you can become a member of the show and make sure that these butts get to these chairs every single week. Thanks oh, for uh, all you do. You can also email us your things. Feedback at it's a thing dot me. If we didn't mention that, I apologize. That's true. Please do. Please do. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.